You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. We are in our final week of our sermon series called The Great Commission. And uh, we started off with this set of verses out of Matthew 28. I wanted to go back there because uh, that is where we get our marching orders, as it were. We're told that the disciples, when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you always, even into 2022, 2023, 2024, if he tarries. And remember that we said in that first week that the words to go, baptize, and teach, these are, uh, within the Greek, they are participles that modify the imperative verb, make disciples. So go, baptize, and teach, that tells you how we are to make disciples. If you're wondering, what does that mean for me? How am I supposed to live that out? You are to go, you are to baptize, and you're to teach. That's how we do that. And notice that the who, who, who are we discipling? We're to go into all the world. And aren't we fortunate that that's true, that, that, that people lived up to that call? Aren't we fortunate? Because I don't know if you know this, but Jesus isn't as light-skinned as most of us in the room. Uh, his culture is not our culture. His ethnicity is not our ethnicity. His language is not our language. And yet the gospel went out because the disciples obeyed. Now, God sometimes used circumstances to help move them along. Uh, he's done that in my life too. Come on, Rob, let's go. But um, the reality is, is that this message is supposed to go forward. It's not supposed to just stay with us. It's, it's like a, a, a water, a body of water that, that has no outlet, just becomes stale. This living water that has been given to us needs to keep moving. I love, I love what Gracie's doing with YWAM. Because that is part of that fulfillment. Now, we don't know where Gracie's going to end up. We, we spent a lot of time praying this week about some possibilities and her wish list. And, and uh, we heard some cool things about her having dreams and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. If you missed that conversation, uh, get with Al and Barb. They'll catch you up. But uh, Gracie had to pick had to come up with a wish list this week 
months before she'll ever leave Hawaii. And, and that was, it was a heavy decision for her and for the family in general. But she's going into other nations to share the gospel. Jesus told the parable the week of his death, burial, and resurrection about the kingdom. He says this, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. Now that, that king is God who gave a wedding feast for his son. Can you guess who the son is? I bet you can. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. I hear barbecue. I'm showing up. Just me. But they paid no attention and went their way. One to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, fascinating, another go, therefore, to the main highways, and as many as you will find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. This kingdom that we have been invited into, this kingdom that God is establishing through his church is a kingdom of imitation. We have to know that. This water, this living water that flows in us through the Holy Spirit is supposed to flow out. It's not supposed to stop with us. We can't just like be like, eh, it's me, I'm good. And notice in this story that God is tenacious. He keeps sending his slaves out. And he's still sending inviters out through you and through me. And also notice that the, the wedding feast, the wedding hall will be filled. Every person that God intends to be there will be there. I think that's pretty cool. Um, it can be filled with both the evil and the good. Seems backwards, doesn't it? It's like not our expectation. When we think about who God is inviting in, we expect him to invite in the good. And when he's found all the good, then eventually he gets to the evil. But he, Jesus flips this. We're to invite in the evil Oh yeah, and the good. You know what? Sometimes the evil recognize their need better than the good. Have you ever noticed that? But I think as inviters, sometimes we just can't get past the fact that 
some will be unwilling to come. That some will be too busy. There's things going on with their business. There's things going on with their farm. And some will be angry and others will be abusive. And I think uh, when I thought about like, what gets in the way of me inviting sometimes? I wrestle with questions like, was well, this going to make this relationship awkward? Are they ready to hear these words? Is this going to change our relationship? Are they going to see me as pushy? You know, there's a number of things that I've over the years have wrestled with. But what if our friends were more receptive than what we thought? Rick Richards in his book, You Found Me, he quotes some statistics that were gathered by the Billy Graham Center Institute. And um, they asked the unchurched these questions. How likely are you to attend church regularly sometime in the future? How likely are you, unchurched person, to attend church regularly somewhere in the future? One in three people said, yeah, it's likely. It's likely. Isn't that fascinating? The next question that we'll look at, if a friend of mine really values their faith, I don't mind them talking about it. You know what? Only 18% disagreed with that statement. 13% somewhat disagreed. Yeah, that's kind of irritating. 5% vehemently disagreed. <laughs> They're the abusive ones, I think. <laughs> Next question we'll look at. How effective would imitation to church be through the following methods? An invite from the family. 55% of the unchurched said, yep, that'd be effective or very effective. An invite from a friend. 50% said effective or very effective. So half the people out there said, yeah, if my friend invited me, I, I think I'd go. That'd be effective or very effective. Uh, online video, that drops to 29%. And a Facebook ad drops to 18%. All those ads we've been pushing <laughs> for the unchurched, <laughs> doing so much work. But let's go back to those uh, let's go to the next slide. If they're Christian, if they if they're unchurched, but they identify as Christian, did you know that there are people like that? <laughs> they're unchurched but they identify as Christian. If a family member invites them, 75% said, yeah, that'd be effective. And if a friend invites them, 70%. That means an overwhelming majority of your friends who identify as Christians but are not going to church would find it effective if you invited them. Now, I know that sometimes that doesn't match up to our experience, Right? Raise your hand if this does not match up to your experience. Okay. 
don't know if you've ever uh, flipped a coin like 50 times. And you notice that you'll run in streaks. You'll hit these streaks of 10 in a row heads and then one tail and five more in a row heads. And then you'll get another streak. I mean, just because our experience says one thing doesn't mean that these numbers are not true. Maybe we just need to keep flipping the coin. Maybe we just need to keep flipping the coin. Uh, here's uh, one last statement, uh, one last question that came out of that book that I want to look at. Has a Christian ever shared with you one-on-one -on -one how to become a Christian? Do you suspect there's maybe some misconceptions out there of what it means to be a Christian in the world? Has a Christian ever shared with you one-on-one -on -one how to become a Christian? Only 29% said yes. 71% of our friends that are unchurched have zero idea what it actually means to become a Christian. That might be important. 71%. They don't know. So our invite might be more influ influential than we may think. Now, I've, I was thinking this week about the kinds of inviters that I've seen. The people that just somehow just magically seem to get people to show up. The first kind is uh, they're, I'm on a mission kind of guy or gal. I'm on a mission. I think of Kirk Hansen. Kirk Hansen, when I knew him, uh, he'd, he was a crusty old cowboy, uh, wore cowboy boots and cowboy hat to everything he ever went to, uh, worked on, on cats, not the animals, the big machinery. And uh, he, was a, he was a repairman. And so he, big old truck, and he'd drive a dually all over creation and fix people's farm equipment. He would walk around. He, would, he was on a mission. We, uh, he led teams down to Mexico for over 20 years to uh, start out by just going down to build a house in this uh, poor neighborhood uh, just outside of Tijuana. It was actually, the neighborhood was built on a dump. And so there were, you know, little fires all over the place. <laughs> kind of exciting. Uh, the way they ran electricity was super exciting. Um, and most of the houses structure, housing structures were built out of cardboard and pallets and whatever they found, and tarps. And that's why we'd go in and we'd build them a house. We could fit four of those houses in this room. Year one, he leads a team to build a house. Year two, he leads a team to build a church in that neighborhood. There was a pastor that was driving like 40 miles coming in. And, and trying to minister to the people there. And that was his 
that was his community, kind of like us pursuing this neighborhood over here, Cane Creek Village. That was this that was his pastor. He was driving in, and so we built him a church. Year three, we built the pastor house. Year four, we added on to the church, and yet year five on beyond, we built houses, sometimes a couple houses. And everywhere Kirk went in his day-to-day life, in his Monday through Friday, just, you know, that cat repairman, large equipment repairman, he would tell people what he was doing. And, and people would sign up to pay for things. People would sign up to go. People would come to church just because he was so enamored. He loved being on this mission. He was so excited to be doing what he was doing. He was passionate about it. Maybe you know someone like that. The I'm on a mission kind of person. The second kind of person is I'm having fun. (laughs) You should too. Woo. Let's go people. Let's do this. Uh, the guy that I think of first off when I think of this person is, is Scott Blake. Hey, guys, we're going to go buy a chicken sandwich 90 miles from here. It's going to take forever. Let's do this. We're going to go ride a bike into these caverns and hope we come out the other side. Let's go, folks. That's uh, Scott's just having fun and he wants people going along. And that's attractive. People want to go. And Scott's like, you should come to church. He hears someone say dis- the word disciple. They're talking on the phone. He, he gets them off the phone. He invites them to church. Like, yeah, let's do this. Woo! I'm having fun. You should too. That's uh, Maybe you've seen some other people besides Scott like that, but it's an effective way to get people to buy in. Third person, I see you. It's the I see you person. I see what you're going through. I see that no one else sees you. You look like you need connection. Uh, two people that come to mind for me on this is my wife. My wife, when she is inviting people, this is her primary way for doing that. Uh, Barb is the other person. Um, if people are stray cats, Barb notices them. And she invites them in. She sees them. She connects with them. Like, I'll be your best friend. I'll care. I'll do life with you. You're worth you're valuable. It, again, super effective, super effective. Maybe you've seen other people live that out before you. Maybe that's who you are. Uh, the uh, fourth type of person that I think is really effective at inviting people in is the, I need your help. I need your help. I got this project. Help me do this. Uh, Kirk Hansen's kind of that guy. Uh, Kirk Hansen, he taught me that uh, when you do work for God, you put a smile on 
You don't do that with like that word, begrudgingly. Like smile when you serve God. But Kirk would be, I need your help. And he'd get people to show, show up. Uh, my, my best friend in, in uh, college, uh, second round of college, Moody Bible Institute, uh, he came to Christ by playing Christ. I talked to him about that recently. Sometimes I tell other people stories and I have to just confirm, hey, that, that's the right story, right? <laughs> we talk about once a month. He's in Ohio and I'm in Missoula, so we don't see each other very often. It's been oh, 15 years, I think. But I was talking to him and he goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, I think I was hung over. And that's why I said, yes. He was hung over and he was asked to play Jesus in a play. And that's what led him to Christ. Fantastic. I know some other guys like this. Uh, we, had a, we had a guy here uh, not too long ago. Uh, that's his MO. Hey, I've got this project. Will you help me? I got some work that has to get done and you look like you could do some work. Let's go. <laughs> Toughen up, Buttercup. <laughs> the, uh, I need your help kind of inviter. And then the, and then the final one that, that I find really uh, appealing or, or I just seen work really effectively is I found healing. I found healing. I found hope. God restored me. God restored my marriage. God restored my relationship. God led me away from addiction. He led me on a path of wholeness. Uh, Sherry Hall is the uh, director for Celebrate Recovery in Moscow, Idaho. Super effective at inviting people. Her and her husband, super effective at inviting because they're passionate about what God has done in their life. The woman at the well says, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. <laughs> she's excited. Like, I think she's like glowing. This is not the Christ, is he? See all five of these types of inviters there's one thing that's common about all of them. They're passionate about what God is doing in their life. They're passionate about who God is. They're passionate about what's going on. They're passionate about their part. And sometimes we got to rekindle that passion. I find that with my wife, I have to date her. Because life has a tendency to just be hard sometimes. And I lose that spark. I lose sight of, of how valuable she is to me. And so I have to light my own fires again. Because she hasn't changed. She's still amazing. My perspective has changed. Our God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, 
today and he'll be the same tomorrow. There's this phrase in the scripture that says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And in the next series, we're going to take one, one of those sermons to talk about how do we rekindle that joy inside of us so that we do have strength. Because you guys know, we know that you've seen tiredness within Logan and within myself. And we've seen tiredness within you. We've heard it in your voices. We've, we've heard you say it. And again, the problem isn't that God's different. It's just circumstances sometimes will make us see things differently. And so we have to rekindle that passion. Which one of those five types resonates within you? I'm on a mission. I'm having fun. I see you. Come help me. This is worth doing. I found healing. I found hope. Which one of these five areas does your heart normally resonate with, but it's been a while? Implications. Imitation seems scary because we fear rejection. And I think it's scary for a lot of different reasons, but that was the big one. Leave the results of the invite in God's hands. I, uh, I'm a high controller. Have you guys figured that out yet? Yeah. <laughs> okay. See how this is going. <laughs> Someone tell Al that uh, I actually am a high controller. <laughs> he seems to be unaware or really aware something. I think when things, when we can't control the outcome, sometimes we don't want to engage. But the outcome is never ours. We're servants of the Most High King. We, that's why we pray, God, what is my part? What is their part? And what is your part? And we've been praying through that during the sermon series just to remind us that we could ask those questions all the time. Like we just wanted to build that into your vocabulary so that hopefully that prayer happens on Tuesdays and Fridays and not just on Sundays. Because this co-mission is about us joining what God is doing in the world. And he's inviting in the evil and the good. And just like CareNet is living that out, that video that we saw, we got to live that out so that people can have hope, so people can have connection, so people can be on mission, so people can have purpose in their lives, so that people can enjoy the river of life that we get to enjoy. So leave the results of the invite in God's hands. Second implication, invite out of who you are. Don't try to be Scott if you're not Scott. Don't try to be Barb if you're not Barb. Don't try to be Rob. That'd be a train wreck. <laughs> don't, be, don't try to be Logan. 
cool beard and, and all, but be you. God made you with value and purpose and your design is good. Live that out. So invite out of who you are, out of your passions and out of your connection with Christ. This whole series, we've been calling us back to, let's connect with Christ. I can't experience joy, the, the joy of the Lord being my strength. I can't experience that joy if I'm not connecting with him. We all know that we got to plug in our, our phones, right? Or they're useless. Sometimes they're useless even when they're plugged in. We need that connection of Christ. We need to live out our passions. We need to live out of our design. So we've been in this series because we've been given this great co-mission. This, this mission that we live out together and this mission that we live out with Jesus. And as disciples, we know that we are to follow Jesus. We're to be changed by Jesus and that we are to be on mission with Jesus. That's the definition of a disciple. And we said that there's only one mission. Our goal here isn't to make people nicer, although that'd be nice. Uh, making better decisions, although that's not a bad thing. Ultimately, our goal here is for people to experience new birth. Birth of the Holy Spirit. So that they could experience intimacy with God. And we gain that intimacy, we maintain that intimacy as we choose to sit at the feet of Jesus on a regular basis, not just on Sundays, not just when we show up for, for a Bible study or when we open up our scriptures, but throughout our day, finding ourselves in these little moments in the presence of Jesus because we have the Holy Spirit. And ultimately, this is to change our relationships, Everything that we do in discipleship should change our relationships. If our marriages have not gotten better in our discipleship, there's some things we're not talking about. If our relationship with our neighbors hasn't gotten better, as far as it depends on us, if our relationship with our coworkers hasn't gotten better, our relationship with our boss hasn't gotten better, then our discipleship is incomplete because we're to live out the great commandment to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and love our neighbor as ourself. And so our relationships need to change. And we've been busy. Life is always busy. Raise your hand if you're bored. Your day-to-day, Monday through Friday, raise your hand if you're bored, not a person in the room. Raise your hand if you're too busy. Yeah. Most of us find ourselves too busy but our discipleship leads us back 
again to the feet of Christ. And we live in a spiritual world. There's both spiritual darkness, there's spiritual light. And, and, and people are heading one direction or the other. They're heading towards the light or they hate the light and they're walking away from it. And so we can't, we can't be complacent. As Christians, we can't be complacent, especially with those who are near and dear to us. We need to call them to the light. And we need to invite. And so this is the mission. This is the mission of our church. This is the mission of the church. This is what Christ is calling us to live to. And I, for one, am grateful to be doing this with you. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.